2024 is the year of podcasts, and we want to let you know about a brand new show that is live right now. Join with me to share the good news about the Worthy of Everything podcast. It's just one of the two hosts, Jaja Lasso. Jaja, you've been working on this podcast in the background. Our team has been very excited as we've been preparing for its launch. How does it feel to know that the episodes finally are out there and we're moving forward every single week? It is so exciting and I am just excited to see where God takes it and I have so much hope that it is going to be an incredible blessing to the listeners. Amen, amen. But as I understand it, this is a show tackling the issues of mental health through the lens of the gospel. Can you share just a little bit more about the heart and the intent and who you're really trying to serve through the Worthy of Everything podcast? So I personally was freed from depression and as I've come to understand my freedom from sin and identity in Christ, I start to recognize all these amazing gifts that God has given us. So yeah, just exploring and hearing awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. The world doesn't think that the gospel can change your life, but we know that it can. And that's why we want you to hear these stories, stories of transformation, stories of freedom, people getting free from sin and healed from sin because of Jesus. This is Death to Life. I don't want to lose him because then in a way I'm losing my identity. You are worth so much more than you think. You're more beautiful than that, and God is already proud of you. Yo, welcome to the Death of Life podcast. Today's episode is my girl, Angie. And I have known Angie for about two years, and I have I only have known her in freedom. And this this story is pretty raw, and there's some there's some tough stuff stuff in it, but I've never seen that in her because of the freedom that she's walking in. Uh, I think this story is super important to listen to for everyone, but specifically uh, young ladies that are growing up in this, in the culture that we're living in. Uh, So I'm excited for this episode. I'm excited for people to hear um, what truth does to a person and how you can live through truth. So with that being said, let's listen to Angie's story. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Man, this is real talk. God is loving on me. Colorful and innocent, that's on me. Got me standing in the light and it's on me. It's a new heart, it's a new beat. It's a new thing, it's a new seed. It's a new thing, it's a new dream. It's a new heart, it's a new beat. Got me singing like so Angie, where do you feel like your story story starts in regards to like old Angie and what old Angie thought about God and what made old Angie old Angie? So there's a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I kind of always thought like, where exactly did it start? Like when I was a kid. And I mean, I guess, yeah, because that's whenever I started going to church. So I grew up. Adventist. My parents were super Adventist and we'd go to church like every Saturday. 
and I actually liked going to church and I was like involved in like the choir. My grandpa was the, what's it called? Conductor? Choir director, probably. Yeah, yeah. Director. <laughs> <laughs> the choir director, yeah. So I liked love singing and it was interesting for me though, because we went to a Hispanic Seventh-day Adventist church. So mm-hmm. all they spoke was Spanish. Mm-hmm. And I like kind of speak Spanish. <laughs> it's gotten a lot better. But when I was younger, I like didn't understand at all. So I would just go into class like sitting there and they would just speak all this Spanish. And I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> until how old? Until how old did you start being able to understand more of it? Probably whenever I was like a teenager. And by that point, I was kind of like, I don't want to be at this church. I want to go to another church that's like English speaking so that I can get involved. Because I was really embarrassed when I wasn't like when I didn't know something. So the fact that I didn't know Spanish was kind of embarrassing for me. And I I just my thing was, is like when I tried, I like to try like behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want people to know I was like trying. Hmm. So that I would kind of just surprise them and they'd be like, oh, she is like amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so then I was like, maybe I should just go somewhere where I'm already comfortable, like speaking English and I can be involved there because I knew I did want to be involved in doing something because I grew up knowing like serve the Lord, you know, and he'll do good for you. Like you got to do good to get good, if that makes sense. Okay. so. Whenever you would mess up. Yeah, you'd always have to ask for forgiveness. Um, Because it was like, I'm always saying sorry, you know? You need to realize what you did and Mm -hmm. ask God to forgive you because that's the right thing to do. And then also, the other thing was like super set on like the Ten Commandments. So like, Mm. you got to do all these things (laughs) and you'll be good. And so I think my main thing from growing up was that I thought Jesus loves me. And so because I love him, I need to obey all these rules in order to go to heaven because I want to go to heaven. Like, I don't want to be burning forever. (laughs) Right. So that was kind of the thing that I had. So I guess I just wanted to do good, to be good. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So I always wanted to serve. But I just didn't know where. And then I don't even know like where it started exactly, but people's opinions always mattered to me. And so whenever I was going to that church and I wasn't like speaking, I was very quiet. Like I wouldn't say anything. They would ask me questions. And even when I would understand them, I would kind of just like Mm -hmm. nod my head and not do anything, like not say anything to them. And it was just because I was shy. And I feel like in the Hispanic culture, a lot of the times whenever you're shy, it comes off as like, you think you're too good for somebody to like talk to them. And so I Hmm. always felt like people had that impression of me at church when I was the complete opposite. And so, yeah, I always cared about what people thought about me. And that's kind of like where it started. And then growing up also, we were homeschooled. Mm-hmm. So I struggled a lot with reading because my parents were both working. And so my mom, on her days off, she would try to teach us. There was four of us. 
So it was hard because we were like all so different in age and everything. And so I was very behind whenever we actually decided to, they decided to put us into school. So I went in first grade, not knowing how to read and everybody's like reading their books. So I felt so dumb. Because mm. I was like, I don't know how to read. And all these kids are like reading sentences and I barely even know how to like sound out these letters. <laughs> right. But so I was actually supposed to be in second grade and they took me back a grade. And the teacher I had, she was super awesome and she taught me so fast, like how to read. And I remember like I loved reading. And then we went back to being homeschooled. Um, so I was homeschooled for second and third and I taught myself because <laughs> I loved school. Cause I was like, my parents, they always told me like, if you get good grades, we'll reward you. So mm-hmm. then I was like, okay, like I just have to strive to be the best and I'll get good things. So whenever we were homeschooled, I was teaching myself. And I remember whenever I came across the word stomach. I thought it was stomach. <laughs> stomach. <laughs> and then also muscles was muscles. So. But you were trying really hard. Yeah, I was trying really hard. And then they put us back into school. And yeah, when I went back in fourth grade, I remember feeling so nervous. Like I was like, I'm so, I know I'm so behind. Like I feel like my reading sounds funny because Once again, I never actually asked anyone for help. I kind of just tried figuring it out on my own. And I was like, I don't want to be wrong. So I'm not even going to ask if this is actually how you say stomach. (laughs) It's incredible how early on the lies of the enemy will start positioning us and start making us feel like we're not enough and our performance gives us value. Yeah. It's hard. My thing was like, I felt pressure. It was definitely pressure for myself because I allowed like so many ideas. Like, maybe my, I, I wanted to make my parents proud. And then mm-hmm. I wanted my friends to think that I was super smart. So that all really mattered to me. School was very important. And so I was constantly putting in like 100% into my schoolwork. And in, yeah, in fourth grade, I remember I was like, I'm going to be the smartest kid in the class. And I remember that's whenever we were like getting our multiplications down and we were playing this game around the world Mm -hmm. where basically you take a turn and you have to go like around the class and you say like your multiplications. I'm explaining this really bad, (laughs) (laughs) but you say your multiplications and whoever makes it around like back to their desk wins. And I remember that I was like, I need to win this game. So mm-hmm. I studied my multiplications. Like I just studied them like crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I remember one day we played and I won. And I was so proud of myself. I was like, dang, I'm the smartest kid in the class. I know my multiplications. <laughs> and everybody was like, wow. You know, I really appreciated it whenever people would compliment me especially Mm -hmm. whenever I worked so hard because then it was like here's your reward and so everybody was like wow you're so smart like you did it and all this stuff and I just thought like yeah like I am smart and there was still like an idea in my head though like oh 
now people think I'm smart. So I really can't mess up. Like I need to keep that standard of me being smart. So Mm. then I remember going home and telling my parents about it. And they were like, wow, like good work. Like make sure to keep it up and like, Mm -hmm. don't stop. And so for me, that was like, oh, like, yeah, I definitely can't stop here. Mm. And so I was like, now I need to strive for all A's. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so my parents were like, yeah, get all A's and we'll we'll be like super proud of you. It'll be amazing. And so (laughs) I remember like striving for A's all through school. And I think it was in fifth and sixth grade, I decided I was going to be valedictorian in my class. I was like, this is it. This is my next goal in life. Like I'm going to be valedictorian because that will determine like literally that I'm the smartest kid in the class. Mm -hmm. And so I always put that pressure on myself of striving for A's. And in the midst of that, I also still, you know, you still have like your little school drama with your friends. And Mm -hmm. so, I always wanted to be like the most liked girl in the class. So whether that was like with my friends that were girls or my friends that were guys, like I wanted for them to like me. And I don't even know like when that started. I think in fourth grade, I already had like a little boyfriend. (laughs) Oh, mercy. And because that's what I kind of thought. I don't know where that idea came from. And I've literally like, asked god like where did that start like when did i start thinking that i don't know if it's like maybe growing up i just saw that that's how it was like you grow up you get married and you have kids and so that was kind of like my idea so i was Mm -hmm. like i need to find a guy (laughs) (laughs) but i was so little like when i think about it it's insane fourth grade fourth grade yeah and i think i was like and I already knew about like, I, yeah, it was crazy. And I think we dated for like a day and then I was like, no, this is weird. <laughs> I don't know if, uh, if you're the guy, like your lunchbox isn't that cool. <laughs> no. And then fifth and sixth grade came and that's whenever the boy drama really started because some of the guys started saying like, oh, you're prettier than your best friend. Oh, and I was like, oh, dang, like I always have to be prettier than my best friend because, you know, I need to be the best. And so all the guys got to like me. And if this guy thinks I'm prettier than my best friend, then like maybe all the other guys think that it was so sad. (laughs) How did that uh, make you look at your best friend? Like it was a competition, Loki? Yeah, definitely. In And it wasn't just in, like, the way that we dressed, but also when it came to school. And so I always needed to do better than her in school. Um, If she got, like, a 97, I needed 100. This doesn't sound like you guys were that tight. (laughs) No, but that's... You're like, I really want you to succeed, but just not as... Not better than me. (laughs) So that's the thing, though, is that I was willing to help her, but I still wanted to be better than her. So. Whenever she would come and ask me for help, like on schoolwork, I loved it. Because then I was like, oh, she needs help from me. (laughs) This is sad. (laughs) It's terrible. This is like fifth and sixth grade. But we like grew up together, me and her. And we were best friends since 
first grade, whenever I first started going back to that, when I first started going to school, she Mm -hmm. was the first one that was nice to me. And I remember that we went to church and she saw that I was sitting with my parents and she came up to my parents and she asked them, can she come sit with me? Mm -hmm. And they were like, sure. And then they told me, make sure you pay attention though. And (laughs) we went up in the balcony of the church and she had her My Little Ponies. And she was like, here, let's play with My Little Ponies. And that's how we became friends, best friends through My Little Ponies. And I just remembered like that really helped me to open up and actually Mm -hmm. start like socializing with the other kids. Because like I was saying, I was very shy. Growing up, like, I just didn't even, I barely even talked to my parents growing up. Like, Mm. there were times where I wouldn't even talk to my dad because I was, I was just so scared to speak. And when I think about it, it's like so sad because it's almost like if I was, I was scared of my parents and of anybody. And Mm. I just didn't want to talk. And so whenever she did that, it really helped me to open up and actually start Mm -hmm. talking to like the other kids. So then when I went back to school, it helped me that she was, that I knew she was still there because then mm-hmm. I knew I still had like a friend that I could fall on to. Um, mm-hmm. So she was a huge blessing. But at the end of the day, yeah, that's, that's if we're living in deception, if we're living as less than, then somebody else succeeding is going to really hurt. Yeah. And it's always going to be a competition. For sure. So as you get into high school and you're starting to open up a little bit more, what was God to you at this point? Who was he? I feel like he was kind of just there. And it's like, because I thought I went to um, a private school and I was going to church, God was in my Mm -hmm. life. But Mm -hmm. that's all it was, like just going to school and going to church. I didn't like actually have a relationship with him. and. I honestly don't even think I would like pray. I probably would like pray for my lunch because we would do that in class before we'd go to to, like lunch. We'd pray. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of it. And it was like the devotionals we had at school was, that was the only time like I ever had. And I was like, yeah, like he's in my life. Like I go to church. I'm, I'm a good Christian. And that was kind of it. But I didn't think I was a good person. Um, and I had a lot of issues with um, my identity. So why, why didn't you think you were a good person? Because I was, <laughs> I was really mean. I was like fake nice. So I was like nice to people, but kind of behind people's backs, I would say things. And even that like that time with my best friend in seventh and eighth grade, we had a lot of drama because of boys and like new friends. And I like wrote her this letter that was really mean. And I basically told her like nobody liked her and stuff. And I like cussed her out. Why were you doing this? Because I was so angry. Um there was just a lot of drama in seventh and eighth grade. And there was, it was basically about this like one guy that we both liked. And I think they went out for like a week or something. And then he broke up with her and 
then he went out with me and he was like, I didn't really want to date her. She was just there, but I really wanted to date you. It's just like why I broke up with her and <laughs> it was a mess. <laughs> and, and so then I think because of that, she has said a few things about me being like a bad friend, which I was, but I was like, no, I'm not a bad friend. And then she was saying other things. I don't even remember exactly what it was, but we just had a lot of like problems about. But there was something like going on with you. Like if this dude liked you, you were cool. But if he didn't like it, like you, it made you feel some type of way about yourself. Yeah. Because the thing is, is that all the girls liked this guy because he was like the cutest boy in school. (laughs) So then because I wanted to be the best and like, I was like, I need the best. So then I, I think at first I was like, I didn't even really like him. I just kind of wanted to date him because everybody wanted to date him. So I wanted to be able to say like, yeah, I'm going out with the guy that all the girls want. Mm. (laughs) Which is so terrible. (laughs) So, but you knew that you weren't doing well and this isn't, uh, you weren't happy with yourself. Yeah. And I also was very insecure at that time. And so, I mean, even growing up, I was so insecure and that's why I needed to like prove myself to my parents and everybody. So that's why I need to be the smartest, the prettiest, because as long as people were telling me those things, then maybe there was a chance I actually was, but I still wasn't like believing them about myself. So I was very insecure. And so that allowed me to do a lot of things I was not comfortable with. And I remember like my parents, they would always tell me to be careful with boys because boys only want one thing from you. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they kind of just like objectify you. And so that was kind of just what I thought. I was like, oh, well. If that's kind of like all the boys want, then that's kind of like what I got to give them. Um, maybe I don't have to give everything, but like just tease them or something. So I remembered like just doing things I wasn't comfortable with and letting my boyfriend at the time like pass boundaries that I had set. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just figured well, this is kind of what you do in a relationship. So it is what it is. And I want to be in one. So I got to stick through it. And so that's where I also started thinking like that I was really a terrible person because I was saying that I wasn't doing these things. And it got really bad (laughs) in high school because me and this boy, we were like on and off. And whenever we had gotten back together one time, um, I kind of just figured, oh, like, I'm going to stay with this guy. So it's all going to work. And we, when did it start? During that time, nude pics were like a huge thing. I remember everyone in school was like sending nudes to people. And my boyfriend would ask me, like, why don't you send me nudes? And I was like, I'm not really comfortable with that. One, I wasn't comfortable with that because I was super insecure about myself and my body. And 
a lot of people had been saying things about how we needed to like look and stuff and the shows that I was watching, the things I was following were definitely influencing the way I saw myself physically and um, mentally. And so, yeah, he was constantly asking me like, can you send me this? Can you send me this? And I would say no until one day I decided, okay, everybody's doing it. So why not? And I remember I was like, I'll send you something, but just like of this, not like my whole body. So Mm -hmm. it started off as just like sending pieces of my body. And Mm -hmm. um, I remember feeling really weird just thinking like, oh, like this is it. Like this is what goes in relationships. Like you send nudes and yeah, like that's what a relationship's about. So So when you sent it and it's like in the air going from your device to to his device, was there like immediate fear? Was this like, okay, like relief, like, okay, I can, you know, I don't have to think about this. It was a bit of both because I was, I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is my body. What is he going to say about it? Like, what if he thinks my body's weird and he doesn't want to be with me anymore? But then it was also... A relief whenever he started saying things like, oh my gosh, like, wow, your body's so beautiful and stuff. Because then I was like, oh, like, thank God, like, he actually likes my body and it's not weird. So then, in a way, it was a relief for me because I was like, now I don't have to think my body's weird because he actually thinks my body's nice. So then that influenced me to actually keep sending things. Mm-hmm. because then I was like I like whenever I hear the things he has to say about my body or about me like being beautiful and stuff and so I was like yeah this is all I just got to keep doing so that I can keep hearing these things that's so sad yeah, it's very sad <laughs> and then even during that time he didn't drive and I didn't drive and the only time we were allowed to hang out was that he could come to my house. I wasn't allowed to go to his house. We weren't allowed to go to the movies or anything. Like our hangouts were strictly at my house and my parents had to be there. So I remember during that time, he would come to my house on Saturdays and all we would do was like make out. And I remember like he started getting very physical with me and he was like touching my body. And I felt really uncomfortable because my parents were there. And I was like, my parents could literally just like walk in any second and be like, what are you guys doing? And I I didn't stop it, though, because I was like, I don't want for him like to not want me because I want to be wanted. And I want for him to tell me all the things he's going to tell me. So I just got to let him do what he's going to do. Mm. That's so terrible. Well, it's because you're getting your value from what he thinks about you. And if he thinks really nice things about you, then. You have a lot of value. You might be like one of the girls you're watching on the shows that you're watching or whatever. Like now you have a little piece of what makes somebody valuable in the world. It's not just, it's deeper, you know? Yeah. And then it was also hard because during that time, me and my friend, we started getting very distant with each other because I wasn't telling her the things I was doing. And she, it's like she knew, but she didn't know. And she would constantly ask me like, what are you doing? And 
Like when I think about it now, she was coming from a place of like actually caring about me. And, Mm -hmm. but that's the way that I took it during that time that she was just judging me. And I don't even know how it got out, but the whole bunch of rumors started going on about me and how I was just super insecure and I needed a guy to, um, validate me, which is like, it was true, but I was like, that's not true. And yeah, there was a whole bunch of rumors about me and I didn't even know how it started, Mm. but yeah, it was, that relationship was, it was not good. How did you handle the rumors? What uh, You just, you pushed it away? Yeah, I would just deny them and I'd be like, no, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Because I put myself out as being like a super goody, goody, goody two shoes. Like that's how everyone knew me as like I followed the rules, wouldn't break any. And so if I did anything wrong, it was like a huge surprise to people. So whenever those rumors started, everyone was kind of like, what? That doesn't sound like doesn't sound like her. And I was like, yeah, that's because it's not true. Like, I don't know what people are talking about. That's not me. And so one day when he was at my house, I remember I was getting ready and he was just in the room. And I don't even know like exactly how it happened. He just started like touching me. And I even asked him like, what are you doing? Like, I'm getting ready. And I remember in that moment, I was completely shocked because I was like, what is this? What is he doing? This is a weird feeling. Like, I haven't experienced this before and this just feels wrong, but it also doesn't. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so I let it happen, even though I didn't really want it to, because once again, I wasn't comfortable, but I was willing to let him do whatever in order to like keep him and stay in that relationship. Right. And then that kind of was just it. And then it kind of just became a thing. And then he kind of started asking me to do things to him. And I just kind of thought that that was the way things worked. And I remember feeling really weird and also just like, that I liked it in a way, all the stuff that was going on, but that I didn't because I knew I was hiding so much from my parents and my friends. So I felt like I was almost living two lives. This sounds really like the secrets that you have to live with. Mm -hmm. They take a toll on you. Oh yeah. Like the hiding takes a toll on you and the, it's I feel like it's just heavy mentally to yeah. always be balancing it and remembering and and like oh what did I do here what did I do here and and then just walking around like nothing is going on did you feel like the weight of like all of this and also knowing like I don't even want to be doing this but I guess this is what I need to be doing I remember feeling really like a lot of shame and guilt because I remembered like the time of my parents telling me like always ask for forgiveness and like follow the 10 commandments and so i was like man i need to ask god to forgive me like after every single time that all this stuff would happen because this isn't something god would want for me yet i was still doing it so i felt very ashamed to even 
go and talk to God. So I sometimes just even wouldn't because I was mm-hmm. like, he's going to be so disappointed in me mm-hmm. because I keep saying, I'm sorry, but I keep doing this over and over and over again. And whenever I was little, I told myself I wanted to stay pure and like save myself from marriage. And here I am still doing things that could like lead to that. And so I was just constantly thinking that. And then yet I was like, I still need to do good in school because if I start doing bad in school, my parents are going to know something's up and then they're going to find something out. And I really don't want to disappoint my parents. So I need to still get all A's. I still need to become valedictorian. I still need to be the smartest. I still need to be the prettiest. I still need to be the best. So it was a lot of thinking in my head. And I remember always like crying and people would ask me like, why are you crying? And I just be like, I'm just sad. But the reason I was crying is because I was so tired of like just thinking of everything that I needed to be like good enough for my parents, good enough for this guy, good enough for my friend. And then like for myself. So it was definitely tough. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I still strived super hard in school. And then what year was it? I think. So this relationship, does it fall apart? Yes, it did. (laughs) And it was probably Heartbreak Hotel, I'm sure. So that's the thing that was interesting is that because, so we had broken up before and I think it was hard for me that time. And then the second time we got back together, there was a chance. So his mom was actually a teacher. And Mm -hmm. so he, there was a chance that his mom was going to be moved to another school which means Mm -hmm. that they were going to move. And so when I found out they were moving, it was hard for me, but I also kind of wanted out of the relationship because I just, I wasn't liking the way things were going. And so whenever I found out they were going to move, I was sad, but not too sad. I was like, because I know that that means, oh, wait, Is your way out. Yeah, yeah. But it was also because before that I had prayed because my friend, his sister, she was like, there's a chance we might move. Mm -hmm. And I remember praying, like, if they're going to move, let that be a sign to me, God, that this needs to end. Like, I like this will be my Mm -hmm. out. I prayed Mm -hmm. to God, like, if he stays, then then like that means we should stay together. But if. If they're moving, that means that's it. Like, I need to get rid of this guy. Mm-hmm. When I really knew in reality, he wasn't good for me. <laughs> but you didn't know, you weren't strong enough to do it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and so whenever I found out they were moving, I was like, oh, okay, like, you're telling me I need to, like, for real, end this. And I still chose to stay in it. And I was like, I'll just break up with him like right before they leave. And we both kind of knew that that's what it was leading to. Mm-hmm. But then right before they were going to move, I think it was it was the end of the school year. And. um, Oh, 
my brothers, they came back from college and Christian came back with them. And then my brothers, they were like, Hey, we need to talk to you. And I was like, Oh, what's up? (laughs) And they're like, we know what's been going on. And I was like, Oh, what are you talking about? Like, what do you mean? You know, what has been going on. And they're like, we know that you've been sending your, your boyfriend nudes. And we also know more that you don't know. And I was like, what do you mean? And so then they're like, we know you've been sending him nudes because he's been showing them to his friends and they've been talking about it and they get together like at lunch and they talk about your body and stuff. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, that's not true. Completely denying it. And I was like, who told you this? Like, who's telling you this stuff? That's not true. And they said, we can't tell you who it was. Eventually they gave up and they told me that Christian told them. <laughs> so wait, Christian's not the boyfriend, is he? Or is Christian the boyfriend? No, Christian. He's just another He's dude. just my friend. But, but I always like had a huge crush on Christian growing up because he was... He's, he's cool. Yeah, he was cool. He played the guitar. I thought it was like so cool. And he played sports. So I just like really admired him but i was like he's my brother's like best friend he totally sees me as like little sister so we were good friends me and christian and even like whenever he left for college we still like talked and i remember we actually used to give each other like relationship advice and and i remember him telling me about the guy i was with like that wasn't good but i never told him anything of what had happened of all the stuff I was doing. And so then I was like, how does Christian know? And basically my boyfriend at the time, I was close friends with one of his friends who he was showing all the stuff to. And he told Christian, he was like, Hey, I don't think it should come from me. I feel like it should come from her brothers. He's like, I actually think it should come from her boyfriend, but it's not going to come from him. So I think her brother should know and like have a conversation with her because here she is thinking like she's with this guy who like cares about her when he's actually just treating her like a a rag doll that he can just display to all his friends, which is wrong. So he told Christian about it. Christian told my brothers, my brothers told me. And so then I was like, well, now I can't deny it. Like I have to admit to it. So then I was like, Okay, like, thank you for telling me. And I was pissed. <laughs> you think? <laughs> I was so mad and like so sad at the same time. And I confronted my boyfriend and I was like, hey, I need to talk to you. And he was like, so clueless. <laughs> and he's like, what's up? And I, I told him, I was like, I know. I know what you've been doing. I know you showed all your friends, everything I sent you. And I was like, I couldn't believe that you would do something like that. One, because I literally trusted you with something so private, my body. And yet any time that they had something to say about me, you wouldn't even defend me. And I was like, like, what is that? What kind of boyfriend would do that, you know, to their girlfriend? I was like, if anybody and 
ever says anything about you, I immediately shut them up. I'm like, don't even go there. Because I was very defensive about the people I cared for. So if anybody went for anyone that was on my side, I would end you. (laughs) Yeah. And so, yeah, I went off on him and he just said, sorry. And after that day, he never came to my house again, obviously. (laughs) And you guys and you guys broke up. Well, I just distanced myself from him. Like I wouldn't talk to him. And I started talking to Christian. (laughs) Was Was there there an official breakup? breakup? (laughs) Yeah, I called him and I was like, um, I felt really bad because he, I basically got my revenge in a way. And he was very distant from like with me towards the end of our relationship. And that's also kind of why I was sending like nudes so that I could get his attention because mm-hmm. I was like, he's not giving me the attention that I need. So I'm going to send him this so he can give me attention. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, he just like wouldn't talk to me and stuff. So then I started doing that to him. I was like, I'm just not going to talk to him and basically make him like super sad. And I was like, like, we're still together, but I'm going to act like we're not because I'm basically going to dump him. But I want him to think that he's still in a relationship with me. it's terrible but this is what it is this is what this is how it goes yeah when you're when you're hurt you hurt other people basically and yeah so then i I remember he also didn't like christian um (laughs) how could he like christian christian's the goat he hated christian he would talk so much mess about him and i remember even telling him like i like christian i think christian's super cool if you're listening to this and you're like, who is Christian? Why do they keep talking about him? I think he's like episode number seven or eight or something. And uh, he's he's one of, uh, you'll have to hear his story. So this thing ends with this dude. Let's go forward a little bit. You and Christian start talking. And you don't want it to be the same as the last relationship. And you care for Christian maybe more. Yeah. But what happens? Basically, we just started dating me and Christian and we had a lot of conversations in the time that we were in like the talking period of our previous relationships and how they just were very like all about physical and like being affirmed. And we didn't really want that for ourselves. Like we wanted to be better And we wanted for God to be in our relationship and to lead us. We're always saying like God was going to be the center of our relationship. And I thought Christian was the most like godly person I knew. And so I looked for him to kind of, how do I explain it? Like he was like, if something was good or bad, he was the like, yes or no. Like this is good. Because... He loved God. He knew God. So he knew what was godly and what wasn't. Mm -hmm. So I was like, yeah, like I fully trust Christian. His intentions are good. And he, he like loves God. So, so this is going to be a good relationship. (laughs) And it was... (laughs) 
Spoiler alert. <laughs> it was worse. <laughs> it was worse. Um, and so before we had actually even officially started dating, I remember the first time he kissed me, I was over the moon because I was like, wow, this guy that I thought would never actually be interested in me this way, like just kissed me. And he cried right after. <laughs> Don't tell. We won't tell anybody. That's just between you and me. I was like, what do you mean? You cry? Like, why are you crying? And he said, because I don't want to hurt you. And I don't want for this to go the same way my other relationships have gone. Because I care Mercy. about you. And I was I like, huh? I love this guy. He's so, he's, I know, he's sincere. Yeah, he was being sincere, definitely. And I was just like completely clueless. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, I understand that. And yeah, I don't want for things to go the way they went previously because I also care about you. So, I mean, when we officially started dating that day that he asked me to be his girlfriend, things already like started. Um, getting super wild um because because before we were officially dating we were already like kissing Mm -hmm. and being very affectionate with each other now that i was officially his girlfriend it was like things could just get more and i remember just thinking like whoa oh my gosh i was completely shocked i was like this doesn't seem like christian like the type of person that he would be like I don't think he'd do this. So I, I felt really weird because I was like Christian. I thought he was this super duper Christian dude. So why is he doing this? And I was like, but you know, he's my boyfriend. So it is what it is. He knows what's okay. So I trust him mm-hmm. and I I let it happen. <laughs> and so then from that point, um oh I needed a ride home and originally I was gonna go home with one of my friends but she couldn't take me so Christian happened to be there and we actually had to ask my parents for permission Uh because my parents they wouldn't let me go out with a guy alone right for sure they were like it's not happening like if Christian's gonna come to the house we have to be here and yeah. So they were like, well, you need a way home. That's the only way. So he can take you home. So the reason why it was also a big deal, though, is because my parents weren't home. They were mm. out of town that weekend. They're like, we trust you and we trust Christian so he can take you home. He took me home. Nothing happened. But then the next day, um, we went out. And we went to like a park and it was dark. So we did stuff in a car and it was just really crazy because I remember thinking, oh, like the same stuff that happened in my previous relationship is now happening with Christian. So this is really how relationships work. So it wasn't just that that guy was like less godly than Christian. It's just that's just how relationships work. Like this is what you do in them. So 
yeah, things just went down. And then. Did you feel like you had any control over anything? Not really, because also since I had like the biggest crush on Christian, since all of it was happening, because I thought Christian was this amazing guy, like basically a girl's dream guy. Any girl would be so lucky to date him. So because I was dating him, it's like I was living a dream in a way. Mm. So then all the things that were happening were like a dream come true in a way, even though I wasn't like a hundred percent okay with them, if that makes sense. For sure. That makes sense. Because yeah, because he was his dream guy and I needed validation since he was validating me because after all that stuff had happened with my previous boyfriend, I became very insecure about my body because like they were making fun of me. So then I was like, well, maybe something is wrong with my body and now people aren't going to want me. Like there's, there's not going to be a man who's going to actually want me because this guy was deceiving me that my body was beautiful and it's not like all his friends and him are saying that. So, so now who's going to want me? So then dream boy comes and he wants me. So it makes me feel like I'm beautiful. And so I was okay with those things happening because then it meant that someone wanted me and I was beautiful. That's at least how I interpreted it. (laughs) And we dated for like a year and on our one year anniversary, we had made up a plan. Mm -hmm. And the plan was that we were going to tell my parents that it was our anniversary. Christian was going to surprise me and that we were going to watch a movie. Mm -hmm. And I remember feeling so nervous that day because I had told myself that I was going to always wait till marriage. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm breaking this promise that I made to myself and to God. And it feels really weird. But me and Christian, we both talked about it and we said that we wanted to be like each other's first. And we're basically, we're going to get married. So it's going to be okay because it'll just be this one time and then we won't do it again. Cause that's what we were like saying. We're like, we'll just, we'll just do it like once or like here and there. It won't be a thing that we do. Um, and cause we don't want our relationship to be about sex. Like we don't want it to just be that we want to be different. And. <laughs> And, and we just don't want our relationship to be about that. So it's just this one time. So I found ways to like make it okay in my head, but deep down, I still felt sure. really wrong. Um, mm-hmm. But then I was like, but this is also what Christian wants. And I don't want to lose him because then in a way I'm losing my identity and mm. I'm not ready for that. So we, I remember we went to like this, it was this super nice hotel. And I just like thought like, oh, wow. Like he'd put so much effort into this for me. So it's so sad <laughs> when I think about mm-hmm. it. It's so sad because it's like, I was, I was just thinking like, oh, wow. Like he loves me so much because he's doing all this for me. And he wants for my first time and his first time to be so special. and. It was just super awkward. 
because we got we went to the hotel to get ready for dinner and the after dinner we were gonna yeah and we gotta wait to do it in a way so even like when we went to dinner and stuff we just were acting like both super nervous and weird and then whenever we went back to the hotel it was just so awkward and we both were like talking we're like maybe we shouldn't even do this like we don't have to and it doesn't mean like we don't love each other it just means that we're just not going to do this and we weren't going to go through with it but then things just happened and i remember afterwards i went to the bathroom and i wanted to cry cuz i was like what did i just do mm. And I remember I actually, whenever I like went to the bathroom and I wiped myself, I saw a little bit of blood. And that's when I really wanted to start like to cry because I was like, I officially lost my virginity. I am a terrible person. Like there's no mm-hmm. going back. I'm no longer pure. Like I'm dirty. Mm-hmm. I was like, like, I've been doing all these things, basically telling me that I was, but I just completely made it official that I'm dirty. I'm no longer like pure. And so I didn't say any of this to Christian at the time. Of course not. <laughs> I came out and I was like, all right, let's go. You got to take me home. And yeah, that was just it from there. And from that point, we kind of just like left it alone. And then I think we were like, we're just not going to do it again. And I was like, okay, like I'm good with that. Because of the guilt and shame or just because that was the plan? Both <laughs> the guilt and the shame. Yeah. And then we decided that we just wanted to, to stop. And I think that lasted for like a month. If you have a testimony of something that has happened or a life that has changed because of an understanding gleaned from this podcast, I would really love to hear it. Um, So could you please email me, richard at lovereality.org, so that I I could hear this testimony and maybe get in contact with you? Because it's... It's what we live for. It's what I love the most. It's why this podcast is here. So uh, Richard at lovereality.org. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks. I was, I was still believing a lot of lies about myself. And I was in high school during that time too. I was graduating And so I was like, man, like, I really can't mess up anymore. Like, am I still even valedictorian? (laughs) And I was. I graduated valedictorian and my parents were like so proud of me. And I was getting free tuition to UTA, Mm -hmm. which is uh, Texas, Texas State University in um, here in Texas. And so. I was like, I've officially made my parents proud. Like, I'm going to go to school and I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to become a nurse. And my parents are going to be able to be so proud of me and I'm not going to be a dropout. And they still have no idea of what's going on between me and my, me and my boyfriend. So everything's good. 
And Christian and me, we just, yeah, we started doing, I think again, yeah, it was like a month later. And I remember even thinking like, this doesn't even feel good. Like this just hurts. Like, how can people like to do this? This hurts. And I was like, but maybe it'll get better. So let me just push through it. And Christian obviously likes this. So I need to make him happy and make him feel good so that he'll make me feel good. So, yeah, I kept sticking. I stuck through with it, even though it hurt both physically and emotionally. So were you guys emotionally drawing apart then? Me and Christian? Yeah. Um, I want to say yes, because we wouldn't really share with each other how things were making us feel whenever, like whenever we would have sex, we wouldn't really, t- like he wouldn't tell me anything about his stuff. Like if it was, he was feeling guilt. I was more vocal, I think. So I would question him a lot. Like, do you, like, do you feel okay doing this? Or like, is this okay that we're doing it and stuff? Cause like I was saying earlier, I kind of looked to Christian to like, if things were okay, because I saw him as like the godlier person, like in a way he was better than me. So he knew better. So he was the one that was going to make the decision, if that makes sense. And so I would constantly ask him, but he wouldn't say much. And I just would be like, that would lead me to, overthink in my head even more (laughs) and so I would constantly ask him like do you feel okay and stuff like is this all right and he was just like I think we need to stop and that was kind of it because we don't want our relationship to be about this and then there just became a point I think it was my yeah it was my freshman year of college my first semester we just both did not care and we just were like, whatever, screw it. Let's just do this. So who was God like at this point? Like, how did he feel about you? And how did that make you feel about yourself? Like you're standing with him during all of this. God was far. <laughs> and I said he was in my life because I was going to church and I was helping in a youth group. So. I was doing good in that part, but I thought God was so disappointed in me and so sad. Like I thought I hurt God so much. And so I didn't even want to like tell him anything because I was like, well, he sees everything I'm doing. He knows what I'm doing. I don't need to explain myself. And I don't even want to apologize because I'm probably just going to keep doing it. And so. There was a lot of guilt and shame. Um, I was like, I'll go to church and I'll help out with the kids, but I I don't even want to pray because <laughs> uh, I'm a total disappointment. <laughs> and Dang. yeah, it was really sad. Um, and I remember crying a lot. I always cry a lot. <laughs> um, I cried a lot. And I would even like cry in my closet and 
that was like the only time I think I'd pray when I'd cry in my closet because I'd be like, I'm so sorry. I'm such a disappointment and that I don't do things that make you happy and that I tell people that I love you, but I don't because of the way I live. Like Mm -hmm. it says that I don't love you. (laughs) And yeah, that was kind of just it. And so because I was so deep in it, I was like, well, I'm already in it. So might as well just keep doing it since it's like actually starting to feel good now. And Christian actually wants me. And he tells me all these good things afterwards. So, so yeah, let's just keep doing this. And, um, I remember Christian, he started like being very distant with me and he wasn't like talking to me. And I would constantly text him like, Hey, what's up? Like, how are you doing? Whatever. And he wouldn't like reach out to me really, unless he wanted for us to have sex. There were times like where he literally would just be like, Hey, like, what are you doing? I'd be like, Oh, nothing. He's like, do you want to go out? Like, you want to go out? We we can go to our spot. And I was like, Oh, you want to go to our spot? I was like, why do you want to go to our spot? Like knowing why he wanted to go, but just wanting to hear that he wanted me, um, made me feel some type of way. Mm-hmm. so he's like yeah let's go to our spot and that's like all we do and he would take me home and then that was it and I would the same thing just be sad because <laughs> I was I was just dirty and yeah so how does this all come to uh to a head like I feel like we're heading down a, a yeah. direction that so it's then, gonna be sad. What happened? So then, Christian left Hawaii, and during that time before he left, we were—I would say—we weren't in a good place because, like I was saying, he was being very distant with me, and I just remember feeling like I wasn't enough for him, and I was just like always striving to try to prove that, and. Yeah, he left to Hawaii, came back, and didn't tell me he was back. <laughs> I texted him like, hey, did you make it back already? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, And I was like, hey, we should like hang out or something. And he was like, I can't. I'm super busy. Like, um, I'm doing worship at this, at this uh, conference. And I was like, oh, okay, well then maybe next weekend. And yeah, um, it came to the point where I was like, we're hanging out tomorrow. <laughs> and he was like, okay, yeah, we can go out. And I remember feeling like really nervous, almost like if I was like walking on like broken glass or something, because. I was ready to have a conversation with him about like what had been going on with us. Like, where are we in our relationship? What's happening? Like, I remember the week before I told my cousin, it feels like Christian is pushing me away. And in a way he's trying to tell me he doesn't want to be with me anymore. 
And she was like, you're crazy. That's not true. <laughs> and that was exactly what it was. Because <laughs> then the following week when we hung out, I told him. One, I was ready to have a conversation with him, but I was hoping that things were going to go well. So I even remember I dressed for the occasion of what I thought was going to go down. And <laughs> and that's not what happened. What happened is I had a conversation with him and he was like, I can't do this. And I was like, what do you mean you can't do this? And he's like, yeah, like, I can't be in this relationship anymore. I haven't been loving you the way I'm supposed to. I don't need to be with you in order to love you. And I was like, what the heck does that even mean, Christian? <laughs> and I was so angry, sad, and I felt, I remember feeling heartbroken. Because I was like, I have been nothing but supportive to you. And I have literally given you everything. And I have been nothing but good to you. And this is how you're going to like pay me in return. I was like, like, how could you do this to me? And I like started crying. And I basically was like, no, like maybe we can make it work. Like. We can work through these feelings and it'll be okay. And he was just like, I don't think it's our relationship to save anymore. And I was just like, what is he doing? I was like, you're going to literally throw away two years of a relationship. And then, like, you know, I was just going off on him. And we talked for, I think, like maybe an hour or something in the car. And I finally was like, I can't force someone to be with me who doesn't want to. So, okay, we'll break up. And we had like walked around afterwards and he's, he was okay. <laughs> and I was like, how are you okay? Like just in my head thinking like, how are you okay? I was like still bawling my eyes out. And I just didn't want to go home because then I knew like after that, that was it. Like me and Christian were done. So it was like, I was going to have to accept everything was over at that point. And I was like, and I don't want to let go. Like I want to spend as much time with him as I like, as much time as I can before we're done. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think I, I got home around like midnight or something. And then I had even asked him like if I could kiss him one last time. Ooh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like cringing at myself. <laughs> so sad. And he was just like, okay. And <laughs> he was like, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> and yeah, we kissed one last time and then that was it. And I was super angry with him and sad. And I remember like even talking smack about him to like some of his, well, no, not some of his friends, my friends, to my friends. I was talking smack about right. him to my friends. And they were like, yeah, you have like every right to be so mad and like to say all this mess about him. And you're like, yeah, you have every right to be angry, to be sad. Like everything you're feeling, like it's totally fine. 
Like you can feel those feelings, girl. And, and we were still seeing each other though, me and Christian during that time, because we were both helping out at the church with the youth. So we were both super involved. And so I would see him almost every weekend and I hated it. Cause I was like, I need to see this guy who people think is so nice, but they don't actually know that he's so mean. They have no idea what he did to me. And yeah, like he puts himself out there to be this super nice guy, but he's not. <laughs> and did it seem like he was doing okay? Yeah. And so here's the funny thing is that I didn't know he received freedom in Hawaii. And so I'm literally just thinking about myself and my feelings and how he made me feel and, you know, being super sad, whatever. And one of the, the youth, um, he starts telling the youth about like the gospel and how he's so free. And so some of the youth is like on my side, I guess you could say. And they come to me and they're like, Angie, I'm so sorry, like for everything that happened. And they're like, and Christian, he seems like he's okay. And he was telling <laughs> us that he like, he wakes up in the mornings and he's just like, man, I'm so free. <laughs> <laughs> so then I was like, he's so free, like free from me. I didn't know I was such a burden on him. And so... <laughs> I was like, like, yeah, like now he's free to be whatever he wants to be. He can go do whatever he wants because he's not in a relationship. So I was just, I was interpreting it completely wrong. <laughs> For sure. And so whenever we broke up though, I was praying a lot because I was like, all right, like I'm done trying to find whatever it is I've been looking for in a guy. And I'm, I'm sorry, God, like for everything I did, like, I know I'll never be pure again, but just like, please love me and I'll do anything I can. Like, I'll be good now. I won't even kiss a boy for like years. <laughs> like I'll be good. And, and I'll, I'll just try my best to make you happy. and. I want to love you now and I'm ready to do it. And then I also prayed, but if me and Christian aren't done, like, let me know. Cause I kind of <laughs> like that. <laughs> Just drop me a line, hit my line. If we're if Christian and I are good, I'll, I'll, I'll listen. And so, yeah, uh, I just was like really praying and the youth pastor, he, he was really nice to me during that time. And he was like, always listening to me about Christian because me, him and Christian were all very close. So he loved both me and Christian. And whenever he found out that we weren't together anymore, he was sad for the both of us. But I mean, he also didn't know everything that was going on. Um, and so yeah, he was really nice to me and he was the one that kind of was always telling me like, you don't need like a guy to be okay. Like you're going to be okay. I know it doesn't feel like it, but you will get through this kind of thing, you know, 
basic stuff mm-hmm. you tell people whenever to get out of a relationship. And then, yeah, since I would see Christian on the weekends, he was nice to me. And it annoyed me so much that he was nice to me. Because I was like, why are you being nice to me? Like, I don't like you right now. Like, you're not even supposed to talk to me. <laughs> and so I clearly remember one day this church from California, they came to visit our youth group and kind of just like get some insight, I guess you could say, on how they could grow like their youth group. And one of the girls was seeing like basically the stuff that I did to help the youth group and how she could try to do those things too. So I was kind of mentoring her. And Christian, he comes into the room and he's like telling her, make sure you listen to her. Like, she's really awesome. And (laughs) then he walks out and I'm like about to lose it because I was like, he can't say I'm awesome. Like, he's not allowed to do that. He's not allowed to be nice to me. (laughs) Because I was like, he's being so fake. Like, he doesn't like me. He broke up with me. And when was it? Basically, what happened is Christian, he told me he had something to give me that someone had given him to like give to me. And that's whenever we kind of started talking again. But whenever we started talking, it was weird because of the way he was. And I was like, this doesn't seem like Christian. And he seems like a different person. So he was like, I'd love for us to be able to like go out and talk. And I was like, um, no, (laughs) I don't want to talk to you. Leave me alone. And he was like, no, I really think we should talk. Basically, we went out and we talked and he tells me he wants to get back together. And I'm like, what? You broke up with me. Why do you want to get back together? That's weird. And he was like, well. I'm going to be completely honest with you. And I was driving down the road and I was listening to the song Blessings and I'm talking to the Holy Spirit. And he tells me, what is it that you're looking for? Like, Angie is a blessing. She's been nothing but a blessing to you. And she's literally the perfect wife and mother for you to look for anything else in a woman would be based off of your flesh, like your fleshly desires. And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I was really confused about everything he's saying because he's free and I'm not even like aware of what that is, what that means. And so then he's like, but, but then God told me she just doesn't know who she is. And I was like, oh, that's true. I don't know who I am. Like that checks out that one right there. checks out. (laughs) So then he tells me to go to Hebrews and then to go to Romans. And I'm like, what is this stuff he's reading to me? Like free from sin. I was like, we are the biggest sinners, Christian. <laughs> I 
It's like, what do you mean we're free? And it was just like very confusing and a lot to take in. And I was like, but that sounds beautiful, like to live that way. And so I was like, I need, I need to think, I need time to think, like, just leave me alone. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I remember I was talking to the youth pastor about like what Christian was reading to me. And I was like, this is just really weird though, because he's not interpreting anything, but I actually read it myself. Like it actually says in the Bible, like, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to Christ. So then I was like, so it's not like he's translating anything. So that's what's weird. Like, he's not wrong. Like, this is true. And so I just remember really questioning a lot during that time. And I was like, well, what does that even mean? And so whenever I was going to church and I was listening to what like pastors were preaching, it was very confusing for me because I was like, well, they're saying this, but then the Bible and what Christian's showing me that the Bible says says something else. So then which one is it? Mm. And I remember going to this conference and I don't even remember what it is that they were talking about, but the whole time I was there, I was just thinking there has to be more than what I've been believing and like thinking because this just isn't it. I was like, there has to be more. And so, and so I called Christian that day. Oh, me and Christian got back together. In the meantime of all that, <laughs> we got back together in the meantime of all that because the other thing was is that I I knew I wanted to get back with Christian, especially since I saw that he was different and the way he was living, and I was like, I just want that life, and yeah, I was just like, I just I want it, and the only reason why I wouldn't get back together with him was just because people are telling me he doesn't deserve it. Like he doesn't deserve my forgiveness. Um, so then I was like, I just need to decide whether or not I want to care what people are going to say, or if I just don't care and I do something that I want to for once in my life. Mm. So yeah, I decided that I wanted to get back with Christian and see more about what it is of like who he was and the way he was living. Cause I just knew something was different and I didn't know what it was, but it, it attracted me and I wanted that life. So then I remember calling him that day that I had that thought of like, that there has to be more. I called him and I was like, Hey, there has to be more. And he was like, yeah, there is. <laughs> and he was so excited that I actually was like wanting to hear, wanting to listen because any other time he was the one that was constantly like bringing it up, talking about the gospel. And I was listening, but I wasn't like excited or like actually wanting to listen. And so the fact that I like actually wanted it he was like, well, just listen to the love realities because they were in Hawaii on, um, an L they were doing an LRT in Hawaii. 
And so I was watching them on Facebook and I stayed up, I think it was like till like one every night that week listening. And I just remember thinking every night I was like, what in the world is this? This is insane, but it's also so good. And if it's true, then this is amazing. And I was like, like, I want to live that life. I don't want to. What was the thing that, what was the thing you're like, if this, do you remember like, if this one thing is true or like, what were the the truths that were like sticking out? Like, oh, what if this is true about me? The biggest one was that you were free from your past. Mm. And that you were already like justified by God and that your identity is daughter because I had struggled. I mean, from like listening, you heard my whole life. I struggled with knowing who I was. And so I tried finding that in so many ways, like through relationships in school. And so whenever they said your identity is daughter, I was like, well, what does that mean? And that your past doesn't define you like your life that was future me because I I just was always like thinking that I was dirty that I was never going to be pure and so I remember whenever they were even saying like that your past is forgiven that you don't need to always be asking for forgiveness those things were really sticking out to me one also because growing up like we they I was told I was always going to need need to be asking for forgiveness and then telling them saying like, oh, your past is forgiven. Like Jesus forgave you a long time ago. And that was just huge for me. And I remember the night where they spoke on the secret place, Jonathan said to thank God for what is true about you. Um, he's like, thank him that your identity is daughter. And Yeah. I remember that night I was like, thank you because I'm your daughter and I'm clean. And whenever I said clean, (laughs) I just remember thinking like, this feels so fake that I'm saying these things about myself because I don't feel like this at all. Like Hmm. I still feel super dirty and I know the things I've done. And so I was like, why is it that I can say thank you for these things, but I don't feel them? And I was like, like, I, why? And God literally was like, because you're allowing for the life that you've lived to define you. Hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> hmm. that's so true because I've, I'm literally letting what I've done tell me that I'm dirty when what's actually true about me is that Jesus's blood has made me clean and he's already forgiven me and my identity in him is daughter and I don't need to prove myself to anyone and yeah I just remember I started like actually choosing to believe these things instead of believing my feelings because 
essentially that's all I was doing my whole life going off of my feelings. So yeah, still definitely in my head. Um, and I didn't know about like needing to put things to death. Um, and like what that like lies and seeing the lie, naming the lies and that sort of thing. Yeah. Like I didn't know what that was. I kind of was just like, okay, I'm free and that's it. So then in 2019, after it was after Morgan got free, we went to Portland and they were doing wave two. Mm -hmm. And I remember the song better word Mm -hmm. came on. And before they had played the song, Jonathan had said to listen to to the spirit and see if he would reveal a word to you. And that song in that song, after the song, the first word I heard was pure. Hmm. And so I was like, yeah, I'm pure. Cause I was still believing that I was gonna, because I had lost my virginity. I was like, there's no way in getting it back. So even though the Bible says that I've been made clean, I'm like, um, am I really clean? <laughs> right. And and then, I mean, this is also like part of what I was saying earlier, whenever we get to learn more in freedom. Yeah. Because in Portland, me and Morgan were talking, you know, we were just having a normal conversation. And then some way, somehow it led up to me telling her, that for a very long time I had been feeling really uncomfortable around men. Uh-huh. Like I wouldn't want to be alone in a room with a guy if he was younger than me, older than me. It didn't matter. I just did not want to be in that room. And if I had to talk to him by myself, I felt really scared. And when I noticed it was a big problem was when I wasn't even comfortable being alone with my dad or my brothers. And I noticed it was also really bad whenever they would try to give me a hug. And I just would feel so uncomfortable. Um, like, like if they had bad intentions and that made me really sad because I was like, this is my dad and my brothers. Like I know their hearts. I know that they would never want to hurt me. Um, so I should feel safe with them, not the way that I'm feeling. And she asked me, she was like, well, have you asked like God, why you have that feeling? And I was like, I have, but I haven't heard anything. And it's just like always quiet. And it makes me sad because I don't want to have this feeling. And so even in those moments when I do have those feelings, I'm like thanking God that I know the truth about who my dad is and my brothers, like in the, like I know them for who they are. And even like with other men, like, I'm like, I know who they are. They're their son. And I see them for being a son, not anything else, even though there is a potential like of them actually harming me. And she was like, well, why don't we pray again? (laughs) and so we prayed and 
I heard the words um, fear and trauma. And I was like, oh, I know what this is. (laughs) And I had been allowing for a past trauma that I had to create fear over all men. What's the important thing that when when God said to you, trauma and fear? Because this man was a dad, it started, I didn't even realize it in my head. I started to have this kind of idea of men, that like all men are capable of that. Like that's kind of what men are. And even though like he's a dad, even a dad could do that to you. So then it kind of started to bring some fear about my dad. You know, like he was a dad, so he could do it. Your dad, he's a man. He's definitely capable of this too. Yeah. And so are your brothers. And so is any other man. And I was like, man, I don't want that feeling (laughs) because that's not a feeling from God. Like he's definitely not putting that in my mind or in my heart. And so Morgan was like, all right, then we know what we got to (laughs) do. And yeah, we just, we prayed that, you know, God would take that fear away from me because Actually, I remember she told me, do you want me to pray or you? And I was like, I actually want to pray. And so I had prayed a prayer of thankfulness that God didn't give me a heart of fear Mm. and that no trauma has to define who I am. I'm not a victim or who anybody else is. They are not a violator. Because Mm. one thing that you've done doesn't make you that. And so I remember telling Morgan, I'm excited to go home and hug my dad. So whenever I went home, I remembered seeing my dad and I was like super excited to see him, which (laughs) is crazy because there were times I literally would see my dad and I wouldn't even want to like see him. Like, I would not want to be in that room with him. And I'd get home and I'd be like, oh, it's my dad. And it sucked because, like, I know my dad loves me so much. He would do anything for me. And so when I got home that weekend and I saw my dad, I wanted to get emotional because I was like, there was literally just so much joy in my heart to see my dad. Mm. And I was like, and now I actually get to hug him. And express that emotion. (laughs) And when I hugged my dad. I knew I didn't need the feeling of like feeling safe to know like. What God told me was true. And that I was free from those feelings. But it was a huge blessing that I actually got to experience the feeling of being like safe when I hugged him. And so then I was like, yeah, so then I was like, now I get to actually hug my brothers and feel the same way too. (laughs) 
That's a beautiful gift. Yeah. And so that's when I say that we keep learning things in freedom. For sure. And that's what's so beautiful about it is it's like, it just keeps going and going and we get to kind of just be. And that's definitely been like a huge prayer of mine that the life I live just be led based off of what it is he wants for me to do and not off of my emotions. And so every day that I wake up, is just to live that day, not what am I going to do next week for myself? You know what I mean? <laughs> so living in a life of rest. It also made me really happy then whenever I could like actually hang out with you guys. Why is that? Because I actually felt like safe hanging out with you guys. Just like us guys or us, the squad, like all of us. Guys, like you guys, specifically the squad, like you guys, the men, because that's the other thing is like, I knew you guys were free and like the fact that you'll actually claim this life, but yet I was still feeling that way. It, it made me sad. Cause I was like, I know these men for who they are. They know who they are. Mm-hmm. And so like, why am I having this feeling? So then whenever we came downstairs from that time and I saw all of you guys, I remember I actually just wanted to hug all of y'all because <laughs> I was like, wow, I actually get to like hug everyone. And, and then I told Jonathan about it and he asked if I could hug him. And I was like, yes, yes, you can. <laughs> I had like wanted to tell all of you guys, but there was just like, there just wasn't a moment. Cause like there was so much recording and stuff, yeah. but yeah, it was, it's definitely something. It makes me so happy because I just don't know how to explain it other than like literally that I don't have to have that fear. Praise the Lord. And like, I actually genuinely get to love you guys because there's not like that fear of like the possibility. Sure. And so you're not saying I love you just to say I love you, but you genuinely. You know that person's heart and they know your heart and you know that because the same spirit. Yeah. So let me ask you this question. This is how we'll wrap it up. Let's say you could go back to little heartbroken Angie, whose boyfriend was sharing pictures that he shouldn't be sharing, and you get to go and you get to just go into her bedroom and comfort her a little bit and tell her something about herself. What would you, what would you say to, well, what would you say to old Angie? So. Before I answer that really quick, it's, it's funny that you asked that because that's one of the first things I thought of <laughs> about whenever I receive freedom, like, what would I tell younger me? Um, mm. Because since I was also helping out with the youth, I, I was like, well, I have an idea of what they're going through because if I was like the way I was when I was their age, they're definitely going through some things that they're not sharing about. And so that's what I was most excited about that. I was going to get to share with young girls about who they actually were and what that meant and how 
they could actually like love themselves because of that. So if I were to tell younger me anything, it would be, is that you are worth so much more than you think. Hmm. (laughs) You're worth so much more than you think. And you have so much value. (laughs) You are a daughter of the king. One of my favorite things, like verses, is that you are far more worth than rubies. Because we look at rubies and we think, wow, they're so beautiful and like priceless. And to know that you're worth more than that, (laughs) more beautiful than that. And yeah, I would also tell younger me that you don't need to prove yourself to anyone. You don't need to make like anybody proud because God is already proud of you. You literally just being alive is enough for him. (laughs) He loves you. Yeah. He loves you. Oh, man. Thank you for sharing your story. You're welcome. I think this is going to hit with people. I think it's going to hit with all kinds of people, but. Yeah. It's. I was with, uh, I was talking to, uh, I just did the podcast with my man yesterday, and he was like, the enemy just cuts and pastes, like the same lies, he just puts it on us. And so, if you're hearing this, uh, life said it right. He cuts and pastes, but then he specifically, he tailors it. He changes, you know, hello, greetings from, and he puts your name in it, and he puts that little thing that you're self-conscious about. (laughs) Yeah. But not anymore for you, because you've been loved. Praise the Lord. Love you, girl. Love you. (laughs) Got me singing like glory. Yeah, it got me telling my story. Know that your love is pouring on me And love is pouring on me River flowing in and never ends More than life, more than me, more than just pretend And you can feel in freedom from within Free to fly, be the child that you've always been yeah. Thank you so much for listening to the show today We would love it if you could share this So that people could hear uh, more of these stories And a way you can do that is to rate us on Apple Podcasts, give us a high rating. If if you give us less than a five star, I'm inclined to believe that you're not really rocking with us. So give us a five star rating and, and throw a comment in there. If you're going to talk about us on social media, go ahead and use the hashtag death to life. And let's get that hashtag going. This podcast is a production of Love Reality. And if you want more information about Love Reality, go ahead and check us out at lovereality.org. This show's produced by Tyler Morrison and Katie Prusha. The sound and editing is done by Addison Collingsworth and Eddie Cornejo. And then the Johnny on the spot is Annabelle Harper. And the artwork is done by Felix Gassman. 
Thank you so much for listening. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Mm-hmm.